0: Welcome back to another episode of Seeing Life from a Different Angle, podcast number 19. And I thought today I would take some time to kind of talk about one of the most difficult things that we as human beings have to do, which I think is the idea of forgiveness. You know, it's one of those concepts that we all preach, and I think we preach it in part regards to ourselves more than anybody else. You know, we like to say, I need to be forgiven. Please forgive me for what it is I might do. I think we run away from the fact that it requires two other things. One is for us to look deep inside of ourselves and ask ourselves why we might have done the things that we long to be forgiven for. And two, to recognize that other people are struggling with that as well. They struggle with sin, they struggle with doubt, they struggle with actions on their part that you know they need or long to be forgiven for as well. You know, you think about it, in so many ways, the concept of sin or doing something that is wrong, that is morally unjust, unkind, the things like C.S. Lewis talked about that pull us away from our humanity, these things, these sins, they weigh us down. They begin to put weight upon our shoulders and push us into the dark instead of allowing us to continue in the light and finding our way towards something of significance towards something better for ourselves, for others for those that we love and even those we don't love those that we know and even those that we don't know I think when we think about it forgiveness is a fascinating topic because we're ready more often than not to when we are willing to forgive to forgive those that we know you know to forgive those who've hurt us But we're willing to do it for very minimal reasons. And by minimal, I mean that they're very focused on what's going on inside of us. So let's say that you know this individual and this person says, you know, I'm sorry for what it is I did to you. Can you forgive me? On the one hand, we're inclined to forgive, but only under certain circumstances, that narrow circumstance. And that circumstance is this. Did the other person do something that challenges the status quo of our life psychologically. And if they did, and they ask for forgiveness for it, then at some level or another, it offers almost a justification for us to keep the status quo going. In other words, if someone apologizes for something that they have done, that challenged us, that caused us anxiety, or discomfort, or fear, or concern, it's because what it is they have challenged is that part of the ego that wants to keep things going as they've always been. And so therefore, in those moments, yes, it is much easier to forgive. But what happens when somebody does something that hurts us in some way, but the hurt doesn't come from the fact that we're challenging the status quo, but the fact that they're shining a light on something in our life, something that we'd rather not look at, something that is buried deep inside of us And so, therefore, we don't want to look at it. We don't want to see it. And so, therefore, we're disinclined to forgive them for this because if we forgive them, then it means that we're looking inside of ourselves. We're looking at something that we'd much rather not look at. And so we have these two options. I forgive because, you know, okay, thank you for recognizing you challenged my status quo. Let's return to where it is we were. Everything is great now will keep things going as they've always been. And on the other hand, I won't forgive you if you do something that really truly has shined a light on my unhealthiness, shined a light on my status quo and the recognition that I'm doing things that are not truly good or healthy or nurturing for me. I had the opportunity yesterday to take a, a walk with one of my children. And it was a great time. We walked about two miles, and we talked and she did most of the talking. But I did a lot of listening and and sharing some thoughts with her and One of the things we did talk about was this concept of forgiveness, not necessarily in the same way I'm talking about it now, but it did stir up those thoughts in my mind, you know how much we oftentimes will struggle with the idea of forgiveness. And yet, the sad piece of it is, I think, at the same time, when we think about the second of those options, you know, the struggle to forgive because someone has touched upon something in us that makes us feel incredibly uncomfortable. And therefore, if I don't forgive them, I can keep that discomfort at a distance. And I can focus solely on the fact that they did something to hurt me. It keeps it removed, several places removed from really having to look at myself. But one of the things she and I had spoken about is past relationships in her life, and I think in all of our lives, and it's true, how we struggle to forgive those individuals who might have shined a light on us. You know, it wasn't always necessarily done in a healthy way, it wasn't always necessarily done in the kindest of ways. But I think we've all had individuals in our lives who have shined a light on something that we were really uncomfortable with. A couple of weeks ago, I wrote. A blog also by the same name of seeing life from a different angle and in this blog I talked about redemption and the struggle that you know I remember having in college there was an occasion when we were having a debate because of course when you're in college and you're in freshman year and 18 years old you think you know so much more than you really do and you think you're wise beyond your years thank goodness hopefully I have grown out of it. Others have grown out of it. But here we are in this cluster of friends. There was Tom. There was Dan, Harvey. There was Mike Moon, Kennard Williams, and there was this other guy there whose name I don't remember, unfortunately. He didn't really participate in our group very much. We were a very close group of guys. We loved each other very, very much, and sadly have lost touch with most of each other since college, but except for Tom and I, who remain incredibly close. But we're having this conversation about, you know, whether or not people who didn't know Christ would go to heaven. This other guy, this young guy, he was, of course, we were all young. This young guy, though, he was saying to us that, you know, if you didn't believe in Jesus, that you weren't going to go to heaven. And so, of course, it aroused in all of us, even though all of us were Christians, it aroused in each of us some consternation. You know, And so we confronted that and said, you know, what about the fact that if someone is just a good person, how could that good person who never had the opportunity to know Christ not go to heaven? And I bring this up because I think it's one of those types of experiences that you learn from, from a distance. You know, was I right in thinking these thoughts? And what motivated these thoughts? The latter of those two questions is a much harder one to answer because it's much more personal. But I think part of the reason that I struggled and was so adamant in my, you know, consternation, we'll say, toward him was because I was struggling myself. I was struggling with questions of my own religious faith. You know, born and raised a Catholic, I was still struggling with those things. And I think college kind of presented that opportunity for me to make the choice for myself. You know, do I keep believing? Do I go to church, you know? and. I think at that time I was questioning and I was doubting and I wasn't certain anymore about who God was, what role God played in my life. And of course, being 18, my conception of what God was supposed to be was deeply distorted compared to what it has become, with time and hopefully some measure of wisdom. But I remember feeling at those t- that time that you know if i was just a good person then i would go to heaven and it didn't matter whether or not i continued to believe in god and so of course i was supporting that notion without saying that it was about me you know i think what happened though is that you know this guy showed or shined a light shone a light on what it is that you know each of us may have been experiencing each of us having doubts or worries or concerns you know about what the future was going to bring especially the eternal future you know i don't think we can avoid that question mark in our minds but we were all struggling with something there and i think in that moment and given time i've come to recognize you know that it is something that is of great significance for all of us is the idea of redemption you know and part of the reason that we can be redeemed i think is because we allow ourselves to recognize that we are sinners that we have done things that we have moved away from the light toward an unhealthier perspective toward actions towards thoughts towards feelings that have moved us from that light you know i've come to realize i think that As much as C.S. Lewis talked about, or Origen, who was a great theologian back in the third century, talked about the idea that I think that there's no one who's really beyond redemption. You know, I think that God's love, God's mercy, God's ability to forgive is so much greater and grander than anything we could possibly imagine. And it goes so far, so far deeper than what it is we allow ourselves, or where it is we allow ourselves to go. You know, when we go back to those two different types of forgiveness, you know, it's oftentimes exceedingly difficult for us to forgive those who have hurt us. In part, as I say, because they shine a light upon us. You know, I think it's it's one of those types of circumstances where divine forgiveness trumps our ability for human forgiveness in so many ways. It's not that we can't, I think, attain it. I think, though, it requires us to do some of the hardest work we possibly can. You know, Christ talked about how we must love our enemies. We must forgive those who hurt us. We must turn our cheek toward those who abuse us. You know, if they slap one cheek, give them the other. You know, if someone takes something from us, don't look for it to come back. These things are just so counter- to how it is we as human beings act. When somebody strikes us, we want to strike back. When somebody hurts us, we want to hurt them back, you know? And I think on the surface, there's a natural belief that we might say we have that it's an eye for an eye. You hurt me, I will hurt you, you know? I remember learning, you know, it's like if you kill one of my soldiers, I'll kill 10 of yours, you know? I mean, I think our natural inclination is to go in that direction But is it really our natural inclination? And I would say no. I don't think that it's our natural inclination to go to that space. I don't think that we, at the core, desperately seek out to do harm to other people. Quite the contrary. I think what we long for is to love, to be loved. I've said as much before, but I think that's the core of who we are, that at the beginning of life, we are not alone. We are in a union Of three the triangle will say the triangle being the child the mother and God and I think we move away from that space over time in a myriad of different ways and for a myriad of different reasons all of them desperately it's connected to the idea that you know we feel psychological discomfort we feel psychological tension and so we give ourselves the illusion that you know we are aggressive, hypersexual beings that, you know, we do these things and we seek these things out in life and that we're naturally doing so. And there I would disagree with that notion. I think we're born differently. I think that what becomes repressed in us is not our perverse sexuality. It is not our rampant desire to destroy. Instead, those things the perversity of our sexual life, the perversity of our aggressive life, those things and others, they instead are really manifestations of how unhealthy we have become, how desperate our ego has become to try to find some measure of gratification, some substitute for love. And I think when we have an individual in our life who points something out to us, and that individual makes us feel a depth of discomfort. we much rather punish that person. we much rather strike out at that person than to stop long enough to listen to what it is that might be going on inside of us at the core. That child in adult's clothing is longing to hear, how do I come back? How do I get to a place where you can get rid of all these layers of clothing, where I don't have to defend myself anymore, I don't have to live in fear? It longs to come back. But our defenses, our fear, our anxiety, all of these things try to stop us. And one of the ways that they stop us from allowing that little child to have a voice again, to be alive again, to not just be an unconscious process in all of us, one of the the problems is forgiveness. I think when we think about the most conflict-ridden forgiveness for all of us is this is that every one of us has a measure of responsibility for the fact that Christ died for our sins and that's a hard thing for us to accept because one we don't want to admit that we're sinners Two, you know we, we don't want to admit that someone shined a light on the fact that we live unhealthy lives but the Bible is full of these stories You know, the Bible is full of Noah's Ark, the idea that, you know, we are such a sinful people and that God says, please, please, I'm shining a light on this. See what you're doing and change your ways. Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, again, shine a light on the unhealthy things that are going on. But what's man's response? One, man will scoff at the notion that he... Is doing anything that is sinful or unhealthy for him there we have the maintenance of the status quo and the other is we desperately desire to hurt or harm anyone who points out those things to us which brings us back to the beginning you know we don't want to forgive those who have done harm to us you know we and that harm being that they shined a light on us it was so much easier when we think about it, to make the choice to crucify Christ and to stop long enough and say, what is he trying to say to us? If we'd stop long enough to hear his wisdom, to hear the opportunity to say, you know, he's telling us that we are making mistakes. He is challenging our status quo day in and day out. But he's also saying that there's a better part of each of us, you know, the part that can Forgive those who consider themselves our enemy, a part of each of us that can stop long enough to say, You know, I see that this person hates me, but I don't have to hate them in return. I see that the reason that they hate me is because I'm shining a light on something of theirs that they don't want the light shined onto. You know, and so there is this rage, there is this frustration that mankind has that seeks to block out those voices that seeks to struggle therefore with the notion of forgiving someone who challenges my status quo to seek to forgive someone who shines a light on what it is that's going on in my life it's so much more difficult for us to accept those things and yet what's the consequence if we do let us say that someone comes along who quote unquote hurts us They hurt us because they're shining a light on something unhealthy in our life. Now, we'll take the first idea, the status quo. The status quo is developed because the ego is desperate to find some way to ease the tension that it exists within. It's developed as a way of finding a substitute for the love that is now missing, or better put, now repressed into our unconscious mind. And so we'll try desperately to find these substitutes. Some will be healthier than others. Some will be incredibly unhealthy. But one way or another, we develop this status quo. And so if someone comes along in our lives who challenges that status quo, they may do it in the most gentle of ways. They may do it by trying to be as loving and nurturing and connected as we long at a deeper unconscious core for them to be. But because the challenge is a status quo, It stirs up anxiety and fear and even terror inside of us. And so we will push those people away. We don't want them to come closer. We want to stick with what it is we know. You know, it's it's like this patient of mine from years ago who desperately would cling to the notion that he he wanted to change his life. He admitted he wanted to change his life, but what would happen? He would never change it. He would just remain focused on what it is that was going on in his life at the time, what it is he needed to do at the time. And once he got finished with those things, then I'll move on and I'll I'll do all the things that I long to do for my life. And then I will probably do some missionary work and I will go out and help other people. But I can't really do those things until. And there's always that until. That until is just a mark of the status quo. And so when I say or said to him or say to others or even say to myself, which I think is valid too, you know, you can't keep using until. You can't keep holding on to the status quo. It's not getting you anywhere. You're not changing your life. You're not bettering your life. We have to challenge that status quo because deep inside of us also exists this voice that seeks to do what's healthy for the ego, not just what eases the ego or protects it the voice that seeks to do what's healthy for it is the voice that comes from deep within, that voice that existed at the very beginning of our life, the voice that I believe is the voice of God. And it gets drowned out by the voice of the world, parents who love us, parents who don't, brothers, sisters, teachers, grandparents, friends, enemies. It gets drowned out by all those voices. But I believe that when we find individuals in our lives who we recognize are trying to show us that we are worth something more you know we can shift from that status quo we can move back towards doing what it is that is healthy for us and that brings up the second part of forgiveness which is you know letting someone or seeing that someone is shining a light on not just the status quo of our life But shining a light on the fact that there's something good inside of us, something of greater goodness inside of us. You know, that's where I think people struggle with the notion of Christ's teaching. You know, from the Gospel of Luke, where he talks about the idea of forgiving your enemy and loving those who hate you and giving to those who give nothing in return. Because, as he said, what good does it do? to love someone who already loves you what good does it do to give somebody something that you know you will get in return none of those things do any good because they're maintaining the status quo they're keeping us where it is that is familiar they're keeping us where it is that we feel comfortable but in truth I think what he was saying speaks to that deeper more divine peace of who we all are those Connections with God that are now repressed into our unconscious mind and that we seek to run away from much as I did in college and much as I did throughout many years of my life in my 20s and my 30s and my 40s and my 50s, you know, where I would come to God and then move away from God. I think there was always that part of me that was afraid of challenging the status quo. There was also that part of me that was afraid of going back to a place that was more pure you know because there was the illusion that if i went back to those places i would not find the pleasure of life that i would find elsewhere but the truth of it is it's quite the opposite you know to go back to where it is one from whence one came to go back to the core of who we are that child in adult's clothing you know that's where true joy True pleasure, true satisfaction come from. Like we've talked about, the artificial pleasures of life, drugs, alcohol, sex, you know, violent Mm -hmm. behavior, you know, these types of things, they're not bringing joy, they're not bringing happiness to our lives. They're far removed from who it is that we are at the core. The fantasized pleasures, they do much the same. They give us the illusion that everything is the way we long for it to be when it's really not. It is only the actual pleasures that we gain that say to us, okay, there's a connection, there's love, there's nurturing. And it's hard because invariably there's a part of each of us that says, you know, I've lost before and I don't want to lose again. I've been in pain before, I don't want to be in pain again. And so I'll run away from the idea that I could be abandoned again and I'll hope that no one will ever abandon me by making sure that no one ever really connects to me. But I think if we're to aim toward forgiveness, we must focus on acceptance of the fact that there is this really beautiful, healthy, loving God person inside of us, this connection with God. I'm not saying we're gods by any stretch of the imagination because it is about a connection with God. That's really the key. And so what we have to aim toward is being able to allow ourselves to go back to that place. And that's part of where forgiveness comes in. It's about being able to say, I'm okay with that light shining on me and recognizing that the things you're asking me to do, to forgive, to love those who hate me, is really a way of saying, you know, I'm willing to go back to the core of who I really am, where love truly exists. Be well.